Take your Bible, if you would, and join me tonight in James chapter number four. James chapter number four. Sometimes we use an expression, and um, I think most of the time when we use this expression, there is some reluctance that is connected to the expression. So we'll say something like, well, and you can hear it in our voice. There's a little lilt in the way we say it. And we say, well, I suppose it's a step in the right direction. So what we're indicating is we're indicating, you know, we we don't want to give away too much. We're saying they should have done a lot more, but okay, we'll at least give them a nod that there was some kind of intent that was you know, minimally commendable, it was a step in the right direction. I don't think that when we're considering God and how God views us, I honestly don't know that there is a step in the right direction that God views as insignificant. Sometimes for us, we we think, well, they should have done a lot more But when we start to consider God and God's interactions with us and and how he looks at us and sees us, I don't know that there is any step in the right direction that God diminishes, that he sees as unimportant or insignificant. The, The simple title of the message tonight is A Step in the Right Direction. One of the commentaries that I was looking at regarding this passage in James chapter 4 had some insightful things. And and it really said that what James is about to lay out for us is what we'll call a format or an exercise in the how-tos of repentance. And so James is writing some very foundational things. He's writing to an interesting group of people. These are people who had been immersed, of course, in in Judaism and in the the ceremonies, the laws, um, all of the rituals, and and then Christ is introduced and the church is established. And and now all the pictures of the rituals find their fulfillment in Jesus. And so James is writing to a group of people that had a strong focus on the external and a diminished understanding of the internal. And he's laying out some of these early principles of this is Christian living. And it's why he makes, I think, such a strong uh, correlation, strong connection between faith and works. Not just works, but the, the enlivening aspect of our faith that produces works, not works that are an end in themselves. And so James starts to lay out for us in, in this passage in particular what one commentary, again, just refers to as this manual or, or this, this guideline for what does Christian repentance look like. And then he said something in this commentary that I thought was quite insightful. He said, no doubt James understood repentance to be a lifelong practice for every believer. No doubt James understood repentance to be a lifelong practice for every believer. All of us, and there's no exclusion to this, all of us fall into sins that undermine our faith and they diminish our relationship with God. 
So all of us have to return to him for restoration and what we might refer to as this, this wholehearted commitment to God. And so James starts helping us understand this. Sometimes we, we oftentimes approach Christianity um, like we do our salvation. So we look at the Christian life like we do our salvation. Now our salvation was a one and done. It's, it's a one and done. It's like being born. Physically, you had a birthday that you recognize and you celebrate every year, but that was a one and done. And, and sometimes I think we look at, well, I, I, I've already, you know, gone through that. I, I already repented of my sin. And, but, but really the Christian life means, okay, I was born, but now there are some things that I have to revisit often. I have to come back to, to this well, so to speak, and draw from it on a regular basis. And I think it was another one of the pictures that Jesus was helping the apostle Peter with when Jesus is saying, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come and I'm going to wash your feet. And Peter says, you're not going to wash my feet. Here, Jesus had washed all the others, and, and Peter said, no, no, you're not going to wash my feet. And, and, and Jesus said, listen, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have any part of me. And then Peter says, okay, well, then wash every part of me. And Jesus says, no, 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 just your feet only. You've already been washed. There's already this sense of, Peter, you belong to me. You, by faith, have come into a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But now he says, listen, just the course of living this, this was something that they do on a regular basis. They'd wash their feet. Somebody comes into your house, their feet are going to be washed. Because just through the regular, you know, going about of their daily lives, their feet got dirty. Now they were washed. The picture of salvation, that's present. But now, okay, let's come back to, let's clean up again. And, and let's have again this, this, this fresh washing of repentance with God. The passage we're going to look at in James chapter 4 begins in verse number 7. And again with this, okay, here, here we are at the beginning of a year. What does this exercise in, this, this um, I don't know, this pattern for repentance look like? Let's start in verse number 7, James chapter 4. By the way, if we were to back up, we don't have time to do it. But, but verse number 6, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Um, some time ago, I preached a message where I talked about beautiful bookends, beautiful bookends. And, and verse number six was the first bookend. And then verse number 10 was the other bookend. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. So that first one, he giveth more grace to whom he gives it to the humble and then humble yourselves. Those are beautiful bookends for this passage. So now let's just jump into the passage. Verse number seven, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Okay, so let's look at the, the first of these four principles that are found in these two verses. The first principle that we're going to see is found, again, at the first part of verse number 7. And we're just going to say very simply in a straightforward fashion, this is the call to submit. Submit. He's just saying in a straightforward fashion, arrange yourself under. The Greek word means exactly that. He says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. This, this implies something that I don't want us to miss. It implies, okay, submit yourself therefore to God. Have you ever tried to use the excuse before, well, I don't really know what that means. 
regarding some spiritual call. Okay, submit yourself to God. Well, what really does that mean? And do you know what he's implying here with the statement? He doesn't go into incredible detail. He just says, submit yourselves therefore to God. And then he'll go on, so that you, or in order that you may, resist the devil and he will flee from you. But this all begins with, submit yourselves therefore to God. He's saying, you already know what that means, so do it. There's no ambiguity here. There's no wondering, well, if I knew what it meant to submit myself to God, then he's, he's saying, no, 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 no. Listen, you already have a clear understanding of what does it mean for you to submit yourself to God. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 21, John the Apostle said, I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. He's saying, hey, listen, I'm writing to you not because you're unaware of truth. I'm writing to you because you actually know the truth. Peter, um, all throughout his scriptures, he says, he uses this phrase. He uses it in 1 Peter. He reiterates it in 2 Peter. He says, I'm going to put these things off or bring these things off to your remembrance. He says, now these are things that you already know. These are things that you've got it already, but I'm bringing it back in front of you so that it is unavoidably obvious. But these are things you already know. If you had to answer the question today, are you submitting yourself to God? How would you answer the question? Are there areas in your life where you could say, yes, I'm submitting to him in this area, this area, this area, but maybe not completely in this area. And you know, God seems to keep bringing us back. It's, it's one of those do not pass go, do not collect $200. He keeps bringing us back to the place where he's saying, hey, listen, before you can advance, let's, let's get this area taken care of. And this is just voluntary. It's not coerced. Even from this passage, we get the sense that God's not twisting our arm He's not saying, okay, I'm gonna keep, keep making, he's just saying, listen, submit yourself. Here's an invitation, submit yourself therefore to God. James is just reminding us that God is our captain, so to speak. We're underneath his command. Do you, do you remember, did you ever get in a wrestling match with a kid in the neighborhood? And maybe it was all in jest or all in fun. Or maybe it was your brother or, yeah, I don't know, somebody. And you're in this wrestling match. And was there ever something that the person had to shout before you finally let up, you know? And so you're twisting their arm or whatever and say it, say it. And I don't know where this came from, but do you know the word that you have to say um, so that they finally stop? What's the word? Uncle. I don't know where that came from. Somebody... Send me an email, okay? So I, I don't know where that came from, but you know, they're doing whatever and finally they're putting enough pressure on you and finally, uncle! Okay, that's not the sense that we get here. It's not like God's twisting your arm. It's just this loving invitation. He's saying, listen, come underneath the, the, the wonderful umbrella of protection. You already know what to do. He says, submit yourselves. You know what that looks like. You know what that means. This is not like the person, the Christian walk and submitting to God. It's not like the person who goes to work and does his job, but that's it. Instead, it's like the person who understands the goals, the objectives of the company, 
And he's trying to do everything he can to advance the work, the mission, the vision, the goals. It's, it's not like the person who says, okay, what do I have to do to punch the card? And just, it's not this. It's like, look, listen, I'm all in. I am fully on board. The athlete who works hard during practice because he, he you know, doesn't want the coach to um, get after him. This, this is not the person. We're talking about the person who gives, him, gives himself wholly to whatever it is that the coach is asking because he says, this guy's got a plan and I might not understand all of it, but I want to be on board. I, I want to advance the work that the team has to do. The Christian who submits himself to God because he finds pleasure in pleasing Jesus is vastly different from the one who submits because of, he's afraid of what will happen if he doesn't. What a, what a difference this person is. This is the person who says, listen, I am submitting myself to God. What area of your life may be one of those areas where God's just saying, will you trust me and submit yourself to me? We could say it this way, what is God asking you to do or what is he asking you to, to no longer do? What's he asking you to do or what is he asking you no longer to do? And this could, I, I wrote down a sampling, just a variety of really simple things. So, so you could make your own list, but what would it look like to submit yourself to God? Have you ever sensed that God's asking you to do something and you have this this I don't know, level of resistance. We try to come up with reasons why, well, that's not really important or I don't really need to do that. No, no, no. What would it look like for you to submit yourself to God? Just some really simple things. Has he ever asked you? You say, well, that's, God doesn't ask us things like that. No, 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 just bear with me for a minute. Has he ever asked you to delete an app from your phone? Like just to delete an app. You say, oh, come on, does God really ask us to delete an app from our phone? Well, I, I don't know. I'm just asking you, has, have you ever sensed like, you know, I think I should delete this app. You say, well, there's nothing morally wrong with it. I'm not saying there is or there isn't. I'm just saying, has God ever said, hey, why don't for this time, how about for a month you just delete that app? Okay, well, I don't want to do that. Okay, submit yourself therefore to God. See, I fall to the devil all the time. I never have any, any, any victory. I'm always constantly falling. Okay, then let's back up just a little bit. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. I mean, something as simple as that. Write a letter seeking forgiveness from one you've offended. Sometimes God brings a person to mind and it's like, well, I don't know, I'm ne never going to see him or I don't know, I wouldn't say the right words. Or, okay, maybe the Holy Spirit sometimes has just said, why don't you submit to me in this area? Why don't you write a letter to so-and-so and ask them to forgive you? You wronged them and, and you know you have. Why don't you connect with them, write them a letter? Like, God, I'm not going to do that. They won't receive it the right way. It's going to be in, submit yourself, therefore, to God. You know, there could be some, some, some bigger issues like, okay, I want you to switch professions. I want you to go to the mission field. I want you to change your major. Sometimes it's something like, wow, why, why wouldn't I do this? He, he wants you to begin tithing. Oh, I just couldn't afford to do that. Do you know who you're telling that to? To the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Join a Bible study group. Set some goals for the year. 
when you start thinking about some basic goals for the year, what, what would be something that God may be asking me specifically to do? How about this? How about memorize a verse? Memorize a verse. Now, if you were just, again, j- just you were being honest with yourself, I'm not asking you to raise a hand or to acknowledge in any way, but did you memorize a verse last year? 2023, a verse of scripture. You say, well, I, I didn't sense that the Lord was directing me to. Okay, but maybe, Lord, would you, is there a passage of scripture, a verse of scripture that would be really valuable for me to meditate on, to just chew on over the course of the day, to let that verse become so familiar in my mind that it actually seeps into my heart. It's the kind of passage of scripture that continually comes before me and it helps me in the way that I should take. And God, you brought this in front of me and it's one of the areas where I'm struggling right now or I wanna see new growth in right now or it's a new step of faith right now. And so just a verse of scripture to memorize a verse this year or maybe make it a goal to to have a verse a month or a verse every two months, a verse a year. Maybe share the gospel one time this year where you actually get to the place where you say to a person, do you know for sure you're on your way to heaven? Say, well, listen, I'm giving out tracts. Wonderful. Maybe you've never given out a gospel tract. And so maybe God's just saying to you, hey, listen, ye shall be witnesses unto me. And and here's what it's going to look like in in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts. In other words, this is is in your own location. And then then beyond that, beyond that, beyond that. and, And here's some ways you can participate and make it a goal. Lord, would you allow me to share the gospel share the gospel with someone, I mean, where I actually get to the point where I say, do you know for sure you're on your way to heaven? So I just don't know if I could do that. Have you ever asked God, God, would you put me in a position where, where you'll make it like undeniably obvious, I'm supposed to tell this person about Jesus? Now, if you look back over 2023, did you share the gospel with a person in 2023? Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Now, I'm being a little presumptuous, so forgive the presumption. I'm not trying to presume that I know all that God's asked you to do this last year or all that he may ask you to do this year. But I do know that he does say, submit yourself, therefore, to God. That means that God has something that he wants us to do or something that he wants us not to do. The question you and I are supposed to ask is, what does it look like in my life today to submit myself to God? And then it's reasonable for us to say, Lord, if you're gonna ask me to do something, you're gonna have to make it plain that I'll know what to do. And if you show me, I will submit myself to you. Uh, Find a place to serve. Uh, read Read a book this year, read a book. Like, ah, oh, you know, I'm not really a book kind of a person. Okay, read a book. And I, now listen, this is not the only way to do it, okay? So I'm not saying um, you have to read a book that has actual paper, okay? Um, how many of you are digital readers now? You just read digitally, raise your hand. How many of you are digital Bible people? Digital Bible people, raise your hand. Okay, listen, I'm not making an issue about, how many of you love paper? Like, I know I love to, oh, a lot of hands, okay. How many of you despise the people who don't like paper? There's a few of you. Okay, so listen, it's okay. I mean, it can be a digital book. It's okay. You're like, well, you know, paper was good enough. For, I know, papyrus was good enough for. Listen, don't make a deal out of the, the means of, just read a book. 
You know, like, oh, man, it takes time to read a book. I know, I know. But it, but it might be one of those things where, where, Lord, what do you want me to read? What do you want me to read to put in front of me? It's, it's actually, there's some healthy parts about the discipline of reading. Just the, the actual discipline of. There's something about, about saying something to our mind that is going to focus on something for, for longer than just this snippet or, or what my thumb can scroll through. There's something now that's asking my mind to settle and to work and to process, to think. Maybe this year he just wants you to read a book this year. Uh, make a prayer list. Make a prayer list. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Okay, what does that look like? I, I don't know. I, I can't know. But I do think that it's reasonable for us to, to say, God, you do have a plan for my life. Do you want me to make a prayer list this year? Like an actual prayer list. And again, you know, some of you might say, I have, I have three by five cards. And that's, listen, that's great. I'm a digital prayer list guy. I have a digital prayer list and it's what I use and I, I keep it with, goes with me every place I go. And, and I have an everyday list that I pray about and then I have a, a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday list that I pray about. So on, on Monday, I'm gonna pray for my Monday prayer list along with my everyday prayer list. And, and I can modify it and move it and, and I have certain things that I pray about on these different days and some things I wanna pray about every day. What does it look like for you to submit yourself to God this year? Does God want you to have a prayer list, to, to order your thoughts, to be more purposeful about your prayer time with him? Some of you, you, you don't have a prayer list. And some of you say, in my, my, my time with God, I don't know that I really pray. All of us know, like, oh, I wish I prayed more. Listen, don't. Don't throw prayer out because you say, I just don't pray enough, so I'm, I don't pray. Don't you think that God's pleased with, with a step in the right direction? So start to pray. You could tonight, before you pillow your head, you could, you could come up with a prayer list tonight. You could, it could be really rudimentary. It could be really basic. And you know, when you wake up tomorrow morning, you could actually have something that comes up on your phone because most everybody in here has one. You could have something that comes up on your phone and it says, spend 10 minutes with God uninterrupted in prayer. Well, we should spend a lot more time than 10 minutes. Okay, well, did you spend 10 minutes with God today in prayer? Well, well no, but well, how about five minutes? You see, the, the submit yourself, therefore, to God, don't make it like, well, it's either an hour, sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer. Listen, Spend moments with God in prayer. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Read the Bible every day. Read the Bible every day. You say, well, you know, I started that, but then I missed a couple days, and now because I missed a couple, no, 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 no. Take a step in the right direction. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. I, I don't know what God may be asking you to do or not to do this year. I don't know. But I think that you probably know more about what that looks like than sometimes we would acknowledge. It does imply if I'm supposed to submit myself to God, God, what does that look like? And am I willing and prepared to do it? Okay, remember this passage is, is um, extremely important when it comes to progression. 
So this is the first part. We've alluded to where that brings us to next. But not only do we submit, let's go to the next part of it. And the next part is, okay, now that I've submitted, I'm arranged under, it's a military term. I know who is my commander in chief. Okay, I'm underneath. Now what? Well, now I'm prepared to stand. Stand. That's in the second part of verse number seven. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, we're not going to take as much time on this next one, but wow, is it a wonderful promise. Okay, submit yourselves therefore to God. Now, this is not in the passage, but it clearly is, is a good bridge for us to understand it. Submit yourselves therefore to God so that you can resist the devil. And when, by my submission to God, I do resist the devil, there's something that then occurs. He flees from you. Albeit for a season, but flee he does. Well, man, I just feel like I'm in this constant barrage of satanic attack. Like just constantly I'm being hit and, and this is difficult. And, and constantly I feel like I'm underneath the, the continual attack. And okay, well, let's back up a little bit and ask the question, am I submitting myself to God? Submit yourself to God so that you can resist the devil and as I make active like no I'm not going to do that here's what he does he will flee from you remember the order of the passage vitally significant and then we would add only by submitting to God can a believer ever stand against the devil there's no way that you or I can ever stand against the devil if I am not first submitting myself to God. The most important part of the equation is not that I'm standing against the devil, but that I am actually standing with God. What we've done is we've stopped resisting God so that we can resist the devil. Does that make sense? Whenever I resist God, I'm not going to resist the devil. If I'm ever going to resist the devil, it means I have to stop resisting God. By, by submitting myself, in a sense, losing the battle. Like, well, I want this. No, 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 no. I'm going to submit my want to his. So I lost my want battle. I've submitted myself to God. Then what happens? Oh, wow. Now I get to win a battle. When I lose the battle of self with God, I submit to him. Now I don't have to submit to him, my enemy. He just says, okay, here's what you're going to do. This progression, vitally important, submit yourself to God so you can stand against the attack, the wiles of the devil. Okay, let's look at the third one. The next verse brings us another, another couplet, two more pairs. The next one, verse number eight. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. So we see submit, so we're going to submit ourselves. Then we see stand, all right. I, I've submitted to God, so I can stand. And now he just says, all right, here's your invitation. Come, come, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Here's the, here's the implication. It is Take a step. Just take a step toward God. And God says, hey, listen, as soon as you do that, 
please know I am ready and prepared to draw nigh to you. Now we usually say, well, God, why don't you, why don't you, listen, God stands at the ready. He stands ready, prepared. And by the way, I, I would submit that his, his stride is much longer than yours. Lord, I took this feeble, halting step toward you and God says, wonderful. Wow. Um, sometimes we talk about, you know, the, the compounding um, um, way that interest works or whatever. Okay, so I, I invest this little bit, and the, but the return is much greater than the investment. Really, when we're talking about drawing nigh to God, wow, whatever I invest, it is returned in such a greater fashion. Sometimes I, I think we get a little discouraged when we do take honest steps or we discourage others with this. We take honest steps of drawing nigh to God. Whatever that looks like, we've, we've submitted to him. We're, we're desiring to obey him. Lord, I just want to walk towards you. Sometimes I, I think that we, we misunderstand some things and then we, we, I don't know, we diminish everything. Again, it's kind of like an all or nothing thing for us. For example... Have you ever taken an honest little step toward God and you had the, for lack of a better way to put it, the glow, the warmth of what this renewed relationship, this new closeness to God kind of washes over you? Have you ever had that? Maybe you were a, a kid and you went to, to teen camp and there was concentrated preaching and, and an environment that was conducive to spiritual growth and and so you took a step. It might have been halting. It might have been simple. But wow, there was something that was to you at that moment very real. You knew that God had done something and you were grateful. You, you talked about it. You came home. You told people about it. And maybe for some in here, maybe you had an experience like this. Someone, when you told them... Um, um, you know, hey, I, I did this and man, I, I got some things right with God. And then they kind of did one of these. Well, we'll just see how long that lasts. You ever had that before? Well, we'll just see. That's good, but we'll see if it was real or not. We'll, we'll see how long it lasts. Okay. I don't know that that's really wise. First of all, because camp and, and revival settings and, and some special Bible study, a guest speaker that came in and really stirred your soul. Listen, those are oftentimes what we call these wonderful mountaintop experiences. And we don't live on the mountain. We get to have this wonderful experience, but we come down from the mountain and we live in the everyday plains of life. So there's going to be a little difference just because we're not experiencing that same mountaintop experience. And then we also should understand that when we have those kinds of experiences, we had a real, I was drawing nigh to God. And it makes sense when I have drawn nigh to God, there is something very real about, wow, God just, drew closer to me. God seems more real to me right now. And maybe the reason that that sense of, of our closeness to God diminished is because of our lack of ongoing steps and walking toward him. I'm, I, I'm not trying to, honestly, I'm hesitant to, to say this because this is very personal to me. But I do know the difference personally of when my steps are 
are purposefully walking towards him, I do know the difference in, in my own sense of his presence than when those steps of purposeful drawing nigh to him are absent. This morning, for, forgive the repetition of this, but, but I walk and pray in the morning. And as I'm walking this morning and, and I'm talking to God, I said this morning when I'm, I'm out and I'm walking and I said, good morning, Lord. And as I just personally start walking with, walking with God this morning, there was something that I recognized, Lord, I so need this time with you. And if I don't have this time with you, something is amiss with me. I'm not talking about, you know, I, I, I have to remember my lucky rabbit's foot. And if I don't have that in my pocket, things aren't. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just spending time drawing nigh to God. And what is the, what is the promise that God gives us here? God, this morning, I just wanted to walk with you. I was in my own halting, Lord, imperfect way I was trying to draw nigh to you and the the everyday experience that is mine is that God says I'm so glad you did because I was standing here waiting ready to draw nigh to you he's just saying what an invitation come how beautiful it is when God says come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden How's life treating you right now? It's pretty rough. He says, all right, I know, come. Come unto me, all ye that labor are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your souls. This sense of, ah, ah. This is some beautiful pattern for what does it look like for me to have even my own personal revival this idea of God I have to I have to constantly come with this new fresh opportunity to have a clean slate with you what does he say okay submit yourself what's going to happen when I submit to God I can stand what happens when I stand he says all right now now come on draw nigh to me and he will draw nigh to you and then notice the last thing that he says. And sometimes we might say, well, shouldn't this be first? Notice how he places it in the order here. He says, now cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. He says, submit, stand, come, cleanse. You know, one of the things we might conclude is there's only one place of cleansing and that is found in him and now when I come to him and I have oh Lord I'm drawing nigh to you now I have an accurate mirror a right representation of who I am in his presence we use it so often but in Isaiah chapter 6 he stands before God and he had been pronouncing woes upon everybody until he stands before God and now in God's presence oh, woe is me for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of an unclean people. How did I know this? Because mine eyes have seen the king, the Lord of glory. Now Isaiah sees himself for what he is because he has now come and he finds himself in the very presence of God. I can probably find, um, apart from God, a lot of legitimate uh, uh, 
people that will legitimize whatever I want to be legitimate. They'll affirm, they'll say, hey, that's all good. Uh, you're being true to yourself. This is wonderful. You go for it. What feels right? You know, the old follow your heart. But when, when I have finally submitted myself to God, I, I can now, I have this new ability to stand. And then he says, okay, you're, you're standing because you've found yourself underneath my protection. You're no longer resisting me. I'm going to help you resist your enemy. Come, let's spend some time together. And even as I start to draw nigh to God, I see something new about me. He says, okay, now, now let's, let's take it to another level. Cleanse your hands. Purify your hearts. And isn't it interesting that James, this one who's writing to this this church that had been steeped in the, the religiosity of the practice, all of the rituals, all of the ceremonies. James, under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, he addresses both the external and the internal. He says, okay, um, wash your hands. In other words, that's external. Purify your hearts. You know, even in, in churches like ours, because we're, we're very um, externally aware. So we, we have this, this um, environment, even our environment, campus church. We're, we're immersed in an institutional environment. And institutions oftentimes have policies and guidelines. And, and so, okay, and there's a, a policy book and it says, don't do this, do this, don't wear that, wear that. Um, um, here's what this is supposed to look like. This is what it's not supposed to look like. You're, you're supposed to be involved in this, never be involved in this. And so now we have all of these, we have this whole, you know, like, wow, this is life laid out before me. And so if I just follow all of these externals, I must be okay. But, but James takes it so much deeper than that. He says, this is not just about washing your hands. And sometimes it's too easy for churches just like ours to spend so much focus and attention on, well, we, our hands are clean. He says, I know, well, 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 wash your hands, but purify your hearts. And then he uses a word that, it's only used twice in Scripture, and it's used both times in the book of James. Ye double-minded. And earlier he says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He says, listen, if you're, if you're just externally taking care of yourself and you, you like, okay, now I've got all the externals. I follow the rule book, so to speak. I, I know what, um, what uh, you know, my, my, uh, my church says this is what a, a person should look like. And I, I don't listen to this. I only do this. I don't wear that. I do wear this. I, listen, I keep all the law and the prophets, so to speak. But now there's this critical judgmental spirit. We can't get past something because so-and-so is different than, than the rule book of my own world. He says, you're, you're double-minded. You're excusing things. If we wanted to be really you know, direct with ourselves, and my, myself included, we would listen to the words of Jesus when he said, listen, you've made clean the outside of the platter but the inside's full of rottenness and iniquity. 
you, you painted the sepulcher white, but inside it's full of corrupting flesh, dead men's bones. He says, listen, you're, you're being double-minded about that. And so he says, it's, it's time to cleanse. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. A double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. What God has laid out for us in this passage, it's, it's something that the church, of course, then needed. And God knew that a person like me would need today, 2024. What, what he's done is he's, he's made it possible for us who are oftentimes like, oh, what am I supposed to do? How do I do Christianity? He says, listen, this is not complex. Okay, humble yourself. That, that's really, in a sense, the... The, the parenthesis around this, this wonderfully helpful, practical pattern for us. But then he, he just kind of lays it out. He says, okay, submit. And we, we can reasonably understand. I, I might not know all that that looks like, but I do have an understanding of what would it mean for me to submit myself right now to God. And then he says this. He says, if you'll submit yourself to God, here's what you're also going to be able to do. Submit yourself to God so that you can stand against the one who's going to continually come after you. Submit so that you can stand. And then he says, okay, come on. Take a step, a, a step. Like, oh, it's so halting. No, 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 no. There's no unimportant step that is moving in the right direction. And then, and then where do we land? Oh, Lord, the more I walk towards you, the more I see needs to be cleansed about me. The more I see you, the closer I am drawn to you, the more I want to wash and be clean. Not only my hands, but also my heart. God's made it possible. He's, 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 he's made it so that there's a place we can, in a sense, land. And, and like, this is healthy. It's good. Years ago, I read a story about a man who was flying in a small plane. And he got started later um, on his trip, he's going from point A to point B, and he got started later than he had intended. And by the time he made it to the airstrip, he's not flying by instruments. He's flying by sight. He doesn't have his instrument rating. The plane's not even equipped with this, but he's flying. He, he barely makes it to the area, the location. And by the time he gets into or around the airport, the sun had just set over a range of mountains. And he said it was like someone turned off the lights. He, he got as close as he could to the airport and he starts circling around and around and around. He doesn't have adequate lighting on his plane and it's just a strip, a remote airstrip. There's no lighting on the airstrip. And so this man, he just continually, the pilot circles around and around. And he's understanding, listen, uh, this, this could end quite tragically. And he starts to, to get anxious about what's happening. He starts to get panicky about what am, what am I going to do? How am I going to land this plane? Well, some farmer had been listening to the, the droning, you know, the, the regular repeat of this circling airplane. And finally, this farmer figures out he knows what's going on with the pilot. This guy doesn't know where to land. So he races in his vehicle over to this little airstrip and he turns his brights on and he starts driving up and down the airstrip. And the pilot can see that he's driving up and down the airstrip. And then he goes to the far end of the airstrip and he turns his bright lights on. And the pilot, of course, 
had a safe path, a landing strip, and, and did so safely. And what God seems to do all throughout the pages of Scripture is, is maybe far more than, than a farmer's truck with its bright lights. God seems to light the path, the, the, the landing strip, for us to come safely to where we need to be, to land the plane, so to speak. And I don't know the, the personal, spiritual state of any individual necessarily in this place. Just I, I know where I am before God. And I know that God's left us these passages of Scripture that, that invite us to take a little step in the right direction. And what happens when we do that? We're, we're taking a little step of submission we're going to find a new ability to stand. We're going to accept an invitation that he's offered to come. And with, with a new awareness of ourself, we will cleanse both our hands and our hearts as we tar- start taking simple steps in the right direction.